Welcome to Splainin', a podcast where two guys explain things to each other that they should know, but don't. I'm Evan Smith. And I'm Jeff Sims. Welcome to this episode number two for Van Cat. I was nervous for you just then. I, I don't was... know why. Because the last time I said 24 in French was the last time you said 24 in Roman numerals. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if what happens when you get to 20s. It's like XX. Yeah, it does. So it does. It goes 30, 30 is triple X. XXX. XXX. <gasps> Dirty. Dirty Bertie. Welcome, Evan, to episode 24. Thank you. It is part two of our series, which is We Didn't Start the Fire. Um, I hope you listened to the last week's episode, because if you didn't, I'm not going back and doing the entire thing. JK, yes, I am! <laughs> no, I'm not. I was hoping you'd run with me, but you, I didn't you're too busy taking a sip of wine. Harry Truman, Norris Day, <laughs> join the Johnny Ray, Pacific Can we do it in three? Yeah, that's what Norris Day. Another communist block. <laughs> the only Jeff, the only, only lyric Jeff knows. Honestly, this is starting off very poorly, but very strong, strong and wrong, strong and wrong, strong and wrong. Uh, so, do you want to dive in? I think we should just do it because it's like you know when you have a sequel, when you have an episode two, you you don't you don't want to recap always. You just want to dive. You do in. want a recap, but not in this instance. Well, like, okay, so the recap is, last episode we did half of We Didn't Start the Fire. The next episode, right now, we're going to do the other half. Yep, that's recap as much, complete. That's, that is about as much as everybody needs right For now. For all other information, please see episode 23 of Splainin', the podcast. Yes, exactly. Shall we? Let's... I have the first verse. Well, the first verse since the end of part two. And for anybody who is just joining in and somehow did not listen to the first episode, you dumb. Um, but if and you also, did, this is gonna suck. It's then. gonna. It's really gonna suck. Um, each phrase uh, encapsulates. I wouldn't even say it. A year. I wouldn't even say it. Well, I think Let it's important. Them, no, they gotta. They gotta learn that for themselves. Okay. You know. Well, welcome to 1959. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. I'm I'm happy to be here. You ready? I'm feeling plaid shirts, button up plaid shirts. Forever plaid. Forever plaid. I'm feeling. Is that uh, a fifties? Slick I'm feeling really tightly slicked to the right. Like a hair. Danny Zuko. Uh, well, uh, Danny the woman with the woman. Well, Danny's like a cool fifties. I'm thinking like dweeby, like um, uh, uh, got me a Cadillac, Cadillac, Cadillac. I don't got know what that is. Got me a Cadillac. Oh. It's the scene you've only you've only seen Dreamgirls once because I watched it with you. That's true. Um, it's there's a, it's the equivalent scene where there's a white version of the way cooler mm-hmm. black song. Yes, you mean it's like all of hairspray. Elvis Presley. Yes, all of El- but it's the same thing that happens in yep. hairspray. Yep, the new girl in town. New girl in town. Yep, and then like, oh, and it just gets so groovy. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, so like that's mm-hmm. what I feel like my 1959 is. It's like the lame versions of cooler things. Welcome to 1959. <laughs> Here we go. Buddy Holly Ben Hur, Space Monkey Mafia, Hula Hoops, Castro, Edsel is a no go. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Buddy Holly, Charles Harden Holly, known professionally as Buddy Holly, was an American musician and sing, uh, singer songwriter who was a central and pioneering figure of the mid 1950s rock and roll. In the mid 1950s, <laughs> Buddy Holly rang out clear. He died in a plane crash. He. He got out of there. <laughs> I wanted to go for that. Yes. Okay. Well, I don't need to continue. You pretty well just spoiled the ending. You really ruined the Spoiler cadence alert. to yeah, my... Because yeah. no one knew what happened to Buddy Holly. I didn't. Didn't you? No. I tried to avoid anything related to plane crashes. 
In, oh, oh, yeah, 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 for yeah. very obvious reasons. Okay, yes. go on. Uh, well, anyways, he was born in Lubbock. Lubbock? Lubbock. 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 <laughs> Lubbock, Texas, to a musical family during the Great Depression and learned to play guitar and sing alongside his siblings. His style was influential, uh, and it was also influenced by gospel music, country music, rhythm, and blues, uh, which he performed in Lubbock with his friends <laughs> from high school. He had many number one hits, uh, but on February 3rd, 1959, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and J.P. Valens. Valens, sorry, mm-hmm. and JP the Big Bobber Richardson are killed when their chartered Beechcraft Bonanza plane crashes in Iowa a few minutes after takeoff from Mason City on a flight headed to Moorhead. Moorhead? I don't know that one. Moorhead, mm-hmm. Minnesota, and that is Buddy Holly. Yeah, sad. It is sad indeed. Do you know Rave On? Rave On, it's a crazy feeling. Oh, man. great song. Mm, I don't know if it is, but sure. Rave on, got a feeling. I know You just say any song from the 50s. Yeah. Ben Hur. Yes. Uh, do you know Ben Hur? Well, I have a question about this. Sure. It's in qu- quotation marks mm-hmm. in the lyrics. So, what does that mean? If you see something in quotations, what does that normally mean? Someone said it. Or? It's a lie. <laughs> or, uh, it, it's a, uh, like a abbreviation, like a, it's a nickname sort of thing. Nope. Or, we're going to be higher tonight. It's a title. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Ben-Hur is a 1959 American epic historical drama film. Oh! Directed by William Wyler, produced by Sam Zimbalist, and starring Charl- uh, Charlton Heston, sorry, mm-hmm. As the title character, I gotta zoom in, make glasses. Uh, a remake of the 1925 silent film with a similar title. It was adapted from Lou Wallace's 1880 novel Ben Hurl. Ben Hur. Hurl. Ben. Hey, Ben. Lubbock. It's called Ben Hur, A Tale of the Christ. Uh, it had the largest budget at the time at $15.175 million, as huh. well as the largest set built by any film produced at the time. Wow. Yeah. It's what? A tale of the Christ? Tale of Christ. So it's a story of Jesus and his friends. So Ben is not a person. It's a, some sort of like... Title. Yeah, like it's probably like Hebrew or something. I, I don't know. Well, that's the, what you're supposed to look up, Jeff. No, all I know is that it was an important title back in 1959. It was a movie. <laughs> I know, but I want to know what Ben Hur means. Well, Google it. Better. Lower. <laughs> Better. <laughs> well done. Space Monkey. Yep. Space Monkey. So I think that's it sounds pretty straightforward, but there are some interesting facts. Okay. I'm like the, he goes to space, first of all. Well Ben Hur. <laughs> uh, the first primate astronaut was Albert. Was who he? on June eleventh, nineteen forty eight rode to over 63 kilometers on a V2 rocket. Albert unfortunately died of suffocation during the flight. Ooh, no. Albert was followed by Albert II. How was he? Who survived the V2 flight, okay. but died on impact oh, on no. June 14, no, 1949. No. I, really, I really want them to be wearing a tuxedo in, underneath their spacesuit. I don't know why. <laughs> like, I want them to be like, wearing a tuxedo and like drinking a martini. His name is Albert. <laughs> yeah. I'm Albert the Second. Albert First was my father. He died. 
Uh, so Albert II died on impact after the parachute failed. Oh, no. Uh, Albert II became the first monkey and the first primate in space as his flight reached 134 kilometers past the Kármán line of 100 kilometers taken to designate the beginning of space. Albert III unfortunately died at 35,000 feet. <laughs> <laughs> in an explosion of his V2 on September 16th, 1949. Albert IV was the last monkey on a V2 flight. Okay. He died on impact on December 8th that year after another parachute failure. His flight reached 130.6 kilometers. On May 28th, 1959, aboard the Jupiter AM-18, Abel and Miss Baker, a squirrel monkey, flew a successful mission. A squirrel monkey? Yeah. That's a squirrel monkey. That's a monkey. A little tiny one. Squirrel. Okay. I was trying to make. (laughs) I was just trying to make a squirrel noise. That didn't work. Uh, Abel was born at the Ralph Mitchell Zoo in Independence, Kansas. They traveled in excess of sixteen thousand kilometers per hour and withstood thirty-eight Gs. So this is basically like animal testing. They're seeing it's a hundred percent. How does this testing. affect monkeys? This is the cruelest thing. This yeah. is the cruelest thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but they they made it okay by calling them Albert. But it wasn't okay. No, not really. Uh, Abel died June first, nineteen fifty nine, while undergoing surgery to recover uh, to remove an infected medical electrode from a reaction to the anesthesia. Mm. Baker, Miss Baker, became the first monkey to dis- to survive the stresses of space flight and the related medical procedures. Miss Baker died November 29th, 1984, at oh. the age of 27, and is buried on the grounds of the United States Space and Rocket Center in Huntsville, Alabama. What a life Miss Baker led. And she did. Abel was preserved and is now on display in the Smithsonian Institution's National Air and Space Museum. You stop. Their names were taken from the 1943 to 1955 U.S. military phonetic Alphabet. Abel is like frozen in time? I'm not going to say frozen. We'll say preserved, embalmed. Oh, no. I don't like that. Uh, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like it when anything is embalmed, I guess. So it doesn't really matter that it's able. It's just anything. I'm like, I don't want to stare at something that was embalmed. No. Neither do I. Moving forward. Moving forward. To a more positive note. Yes. The mafia. Oh, great. <laughs> great. Um... They won't harm a monkey. No, and they'll mess you up, but they they won't harm a monkey. They got a code of ethics. They really do. Mm -hmm. The mafia in 1959, Mm. uh, over 60 high-ranked mafia members met at the house of Joseph Barber. Okay, Uh, the members were meeting to get themselves better organized. Mm -hmm. Who would have known? Uh, This was the first time the authorities actually realized that all of these different families were interconnected. A code of silence. A couple of things were created from this meeting. So a code of silence, which is never rat out a mafia member. Never divulge any mafia secrets, even if threatened by torture or death. Complete obedience to the boss. Obey the boss's orders no matter what. I don't know why they explained that. I think that was very straightforward. Um, assistance, which is to provide any necessary assistance to any other respected or befriended mafia faction. Vengeance. <gasps> any attack on one is an attack on all. Ooh. Avoid contact with the authorities. 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 <laughs> Mr. Smith. <laughs> um, so it was the mafia. In 1959, they went and had a big gathering. Like, which mafia? There's more than one mafia. Well, it was in New York. Okay, that's what I was asking. Sorry if I didn't specify that. Right. So I, I guess there was uh, numerous amounts of things. Right. Yeah. Hula hoops. Yes. 
What's that song? Yeah, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Come on, everybody, do the hula hoop. Hula hoop. Hula hoop. Uh, hula hoops. A hula hoop is a toy hoop that is twirled around the waist, limbs, or, or your neck. They have been used by children and adults since at least 500 BCE. Really? Yup. Yep. BCE? Yep. Wow. That's before Christ even by. <laughs> yep. Uh, the modern hula hoop was inspired by Australian bamboo hoops, which were then made of plastic and popularized in 1959 hmm. by Arthur K. Um, I erased his last name. It's not there. <laughs> his last name starts with the letter K. Nope. That's his middle initial. Oh, great. Great. Yep. So, Arthur. Sorry, Arthur. It's Arthur. Okay. Arthur. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Perfect. Hula hoops. Hula hoops. Castro. As in Fidel. Fidel. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows lots about Fidel. But Fidel Castro on February 16th, 1959, uh, is sworn in as the prime minister of Cuba after leading a guerrilla campaign that forced right-wing dictator Fulgencio Batista into exile. Wow. Yeah, he was a Cuban revolutionary and politician who served as prime minister of Cuba from 1959 to 1976 and then president from 1976 to 2008. That's amazing. Yeah. Ideologically a Marxist, Leninist, and Cuban nationalist, he also served as the first secretary of the Communist Party of Cuba from 1961 until 2011. Under his administration, the Republic of Cuba became a one-party communist state. Industry and businesses were nationalized, and state socialist reforms were implemented throughout. I don't know what many of that means, but I kind of do. Okay. Anyway, that's all. You can continue. I mean, we can do a deep dive into... Well, know, no, it's just the, like the like Marxist-Leninist society. It's just like yeah, like when you say like the reform society of yeah, I struggle with some wordage. Okay. Of what it means, like when they nationalize businesses and stuff. Like I don't know what that means. Like as in like all businesses have to pay a tax to the country because doesn't every business always ever anyway? Well, industry and business were nationalized, which kind of means the. All of the core industries and all the things that were happening were done in Cuba instead of out out resourced. Oh, oh, I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So Fidel Castro was obviously known as a communist, and like in Western culture, he was like bad, 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 bad. Right. But but he's like pro Cuba. Everything's Cuba. Yeah. Right. And he actually like like there at a certain point, their healthcare system, their education system was like flawless. Like he right. really, really. Did a lot of great things for the for the Cuban people, right? Right. Obviously, he you know caused the missile crisis. He was yes. instrumental in the Cold War. All these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but for Cuba, he did a lot of things. Right. Cool. Um, yeah. Edsel is a no go. Baseball. Nice try. Oh. Cars. Oh. Yeah. So Ford Motor Company came out with a new car and a new brand of company, the Edsel. The car was named after Edsel Ford, who is Henry Ford's son. The car was to fit in between the Ford and the Mercury, but it was the wrong car at the wrong time and lasted only a few years. While its model lines introduced several advanced features for its price segment, the 1958 launch of Edsel would become a symbol of a commercial failure. Introduced in a recession that catastrophically affected sales of medium-priced cars, Edsels were considered overhyped, unattractive, and low-quality. It mm-hmm. didn't do well for Edsel's self-confidence, I'm I, sure. I'm sure it didn't. No. Following a loss of over $250 million on development, manufacturing, and marketing on the model line, Ford quietly discontinued the Edsel brand in 1959. 
Very well. Yeah. Okay. On to you two, Sigmund Ree, Paola and Kennedy, Chubby Checker, Psycho, Belgians in the Congo. Belgians in the Congo. Psycho's so good because it goes. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Great movie. Uh, you two, not the band. Oh. They didn't come out in 1960. Shame because I thought they were like vampires yeah. and just made their way into my I mean, Bono could be a, could be a vampire. Uh, the United States had been sending the secret U-2 high-flying spy plane over the Soviet Union. But they still hadn't found what they'd been looking for. <gasps> uh, waka waka. Waka waka. Uh, they were trying to take pictures and gather information when one of the U-2 planes was shot down by a Russian missile. I knew this. I knew this too, but I don't know how. We talked about it. In what? Uh, uh, Area 51. Oh, that's what it was. Yep. Okay, so the pilot, Francis Gary Powers, was taken prisoner and convicted of espionage. He was sentenced to three years of imprisonment plus seven years of hard labor. You stop. That's what they sentenced you to in Soviet Union. They just sent him to the warehouse of Canadian Tire. Basically, lift them boxes. Yeah, put them up over your shoulders One more now. patio set over there. Yeah. So things aren't looking good for Francis. But then, fortunately for Francis, comes along Rudolf Ivanovich Abel. 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 <gasps> He's a, a space monkey. <laughs> <laughs> alias William August Fisher, a Soviet working as part of a spy ring in New York City. Spy ring also sounds really weird to me. What do you mean? You're part of a spy ring. Yeah. Like I don't like the word them. like ring. Like it's like a mafia of spies. Yeah. Like I you're all connected. I, like I wish they would call it like a spy square. Or a spy circle? Or like a Rubik's Cube of spies. <laughs> Ever changing, manipulating, and unfinding. Un- unsolvable. Um, he gets captured by the Americans because there's a mole in the spy ring. It's I'm very, telling you, the ring is not great. It's very spy inception. It's like there's a spy, but there's a spy inside the spy. Yep. It's Things a mole. Get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> After four years um, of Fisher's sentence and only two years of power sentence, the two prisoners are exchanged for each other. That's sweet. Yeah. So, I mean, fortunate for powers because he just got out of the hard labor. Yeah. He was just coming in. One more year, he would have had to start the hard labor. Honestly. Yep. Sigmund Rhee. He was the first president of South Korea, serving from 1948 to 1960. In March 1960, the 84-year-old Rhee won his fourth term in office as president. 84. Uh-huh. His victory was assured with 100% of the vote after the main candidate, Cho being okay, died shortly before the election. Yes. Great. Rhee wanted his protege as vice president, and sure enough, the protege did end up winning with a wide margin. Riots broke out claiming that the elections were rigged because they're like, oh, you're obviously the president. You got 100% of the vote, and you wanted this guy, and he got in. So, like, nope, it's rigged. Uh, police shot demonstrators in Masson, and a student led revolution forced Rhee to resign on April 26th. Rhee, his wife, and adopted son were forced to flee the country while protesters converged on the Blue House. Oh, my which God. Which is like the White House, but It's a play separate. on the White House, sure. Well, not a play. Like, they have a Blue House. We, they have a White House. Okay. Um, they lived out their life in Honolulu. Could be worse. It could be worse. Yep. They fled to Honolulu. Interesting. Uh, Paola. Have you ever heard of this before? No. Nor have I. Okay. It was essentially producers... Um, ensuring a record was a hit by pl- paying for radio play. So like many disc jockeys... That seems were, obvious. Yeah. yeah. But many disc jockeys were exposed to taking bribes to play certain songs on the radio, thus biasing the record sales. So you'd hear the song way more often. Yeah. Because they would pay for it. I f- That's why illegal. Does, 
Really? Yes. Top national disc jockey Alan Freed was convicted of payola. American bandstand TV dance show host Dick Clark was accused of payola but found innocent. It's essentially in Dreamgirls, again, another Dreamgirls reference in this episode. Sure. It's Step Into the Bad Side. That whole song, uh-huh. Step Into the Bad Side from Dreamgirls, is them, they're like, uh, how are we going to pay for the radio play or whatever? And he's like, he has the keys for all the Cadillacs because they own a Cadillac TV show. He's like, what do you think this is? Chicken scratch? Ugh. Jamie Foxx. Um, in the movie or Jamie Foxx, period? In the movie. Great. Um, great. He does a great job, but yeah. the character is the shits. Sure. Um, anyway, yeah, so they sell all the Cadillacs and have all this money to bribe radio stations to play their, their, song. their songs. I thought that was just a thing. Nope. Not bribed, not being like, play mine a little bit more, kid. It was like, no, we're paying you $50,000. We're giving you this catalog of songs. From 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., you play these songs. Same thing as like commercial time on television. No, I don't know how it works. That might be something to look into for future. But, I mean, I guess everybody technically may, might pay for radio play in general. Because there's they, no they way. they pay that, more. There's no way that Justin Bieber just authentically got himself to number one charts. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But there's, it is illegal to bribe disc jockeys to pay, play your record more than others. I don't see why. I do not see an ethical error there. I mean, yeah, kind of. If you have more money. Yeah, you have more resources. You have more resources. Yes, yeah. it sucks for the other people. It sucks for the other people. Anyway, it's illegal. They can find resources elsewhere. I don't know. It's, it's very capitalistic, the way I'm thinking of it. Yeah. And like, I guess radio and music in the arts shouldn't be, I guess, a... Uh, uh, Right. There should be a fair play sort of situation. Maybe. Anyways, yeah. let's keep going. Um, Kennedy, as in John F. Kennedy, 43 years old, becomes the youngest man ever to be elected president of the United States, narrowly beating Republican Vice President Richard Nixon. Ooh. Fun fact, he was also the first Catholic to become president. The first Catholic? Yeah. That seems weird to me. I know. Because, like, in God we trust. That's- yeah. Protestants also believe in God. When you said Catholic, I heard Christian. Oh, uh, no, no, no. First Catholic. Um, so, yeah, I didn't go in very in-depth about JFK because we have a whole episode on it. And also, he comes up later in the song. And he does. So then Chubby Checker. Uh, Chubby Checker was a singer. Oh. He came up with the song The Twist. Come on, baby. This is sort of how a song goes, sounds, his voice. Let's do the twist. Come on, baby. Let's do the twist. I, I think you should adopt that. Dana Parsons does a great version of that song. That's funny. Um, it started a national dance sensation. Stop it. They rigged it. There was payola. Yeah, probably. Soon, not only teens, but also adults were doing the twist. And let's this do was... do the twist. Is that the song? Yeah. Come oh. on, baby. Let's do the twist. Take me by the little hand and go like this. <laughs> yeah? My funny. sister is sleeping and my mama's not around. <laughs> anyway, uh, this was a time where so many adults, especially the bougie ones, mm. thought rock and roll was the devil's music. Oh. So, the, But the twist was actually the turning point in having adults accepting fast dancing and Ooh. rock and roll. Because there was, a, the, like, before rock and roll... You didn't dance to fast music. No. Like you were like you waltzed and you danced like you had a slow dance to like Yeah. yeah, anyway, that was a turning point. Nice. Psycho yep. was of course the Alfred Hitchcock horror film. Yep. You've seen it? I have. Great film. It's it's lovely. Excellent film. Yeah. So, you know, um what's his name? Bates. He dresses up as his mother, even though his mother's dead, and she sits in the window rocking chair and it's like the whole time and you think it's her, but it's mm-hmm. not. Bates no. Motel, great show. It's all the backstory. 
Yep. Have you seen Bates Motel? I have not. Very good. Um, so Psycho is now considered one of Hitchcock's best films and praised as a major work of cinematic art by international film critics and scholars due to its slick direction, tense atmosphere, Ooh. effective camera work, a memorable score, and iconic performances. So that's pretty well all of the categories that make a movie. Yeah, like groundbreaking at the time. Nice. For 1960. Uh, often ranked among the greatest films of all time, it yep. set a new level of acceptability for violence, deviant behavior, and sexuality in American films. And it's widely considered to be the earliest example of a slasher film. Slasher. I'm right? into it. And because you get misses in the in the shower, yep. you see a fair bit. And you do. And also you see him stab her and the blood pouring down the drain. Yep. So like that stuff didn't really happen before this. No. Uh, Belgians in the Congo. Not a good time. It's a very fun line to say. Yeah. Belgians in the Congo. Those are fun words. But the sentence itself, not a good time. Similar, space monkeys. Yep. Fun to say and fun to imagine, but the result is... No tuxedos involved. No. There are many Alberts sacrificed. 1960, the Congo becomes an independent from Belgium. And civil war starts and continues for five years. What really exacerbated this was, of course, the Soviet Union and the U.S. They took (sighs) opposing sides, which is, again, is like... Of course they did. Yeah, of course they, they did. They couldn't have agreed. So what essentially happened was September 14th, 1960, the Congolese elect a new president, prime minister, senate, and assembly. Eisenhower, Dwight D. Dwight D. And the U.S. administration hoped that this would form a stable pro-Western central government. There we go. That's the word we're all looking for. The pro-Western yeah. stable government. Blech. It does not. Of course not. Congolese soldiers in the force public mutinied against their white Belgian um, commanders at the Thiesville military base. They were seeking higher pay as well as greater opportunity and authority, which is like, of course you were. You were racially oppressed. Word got around and the other bases began to do the same thing, starting a full civil war. This goes on for literally years and the state gets involved, states get involved and they're trying not to let the Soviet Union get involved, but of course the Soviet Union do get involved. And long story short, it was all horrible. About 100,000 people were were killed during this crisis. Great. Yep, so there's that. Excellent news. On to you, sir. Uh, into 1961. Also, I'm going to apologize because I feel like these phrases are different parts of the song, and I'm just going to sing them as the same every time. So This is the same me. one. No, this is the same. Hemingway, Eichmann, Stranger in a Strange Land, Dylan, Berlin, Bay of Pigs Invasion. Nailed it. That's it. Was that it? Yep. I was syllabically worried about Dylan and Berlin. because Dylan, l- Berlin. They're fun. Yeah, because yep. there's also later it's like, like yes. and they're all different things. Yeah, no, that you nailed it. Well, mm-hmm. I practiced. Yep. I didn't. No, of course not. 1961, Hemingway, as everyone I'm sure knows, Ernest Miller Hemingway. Yes. Was an American journalist, novelist, short story writer, and a sportsman. His economical and understated style, uh, which he termed the iceberg theory, was a strong influence on the 20th century fiction, which, uh, while his adventurous lifestyle and his public image brought him admiration from later generations, uh, Hemingway produced most of his work between the mid-1920s and the mid-1950s. In the mid-90s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he won the Nobel uh, Prize in Literature in 1954. He published seven novels, six short stories, uh, six short story collections, sorry, two nonfiction works, uh, and two nonfiction works. Three of his novels... <laughs> I should look at the punctuation before I read it. It really dictates Two nonfiction works and two nonfiction works. <laughs> <laughs> Three of his novels... <laughs> Four short story collections and three nonfiction works were published 
posthumously. Well done, Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, if there's buddy. one thing this whole thing has led up to, that's it right there. Posthumous. Yeah, posthumous. Yeah. Many of his works are considered classics of American literature. On July 2nd, 1961, Ernest Hemingway died of suicide. Oh. Yeah. What did he do? Shotgun. Oh. I mouth. didn't want to add it, but thanks for... In the head? I don't think that's relevant, buddy. I don't know. I'm curious. He passed from suicide. There was a shotgun involved. Do you know the answer? You don't want to tell me? He shot himself in the head, Evan. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> oh, God. Eichmann. There's a... Oh. Sorry, I just have to tell you something on this note. Sure. Um, Castle Rock. It can't be great because oh, no, your segue was... It's not good. <laughs> but, it, but it's acting. It's not real life. Oh. Um, so, did you watch Lost? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Ish. Ish. The guy who plays Locke, who's like yep. a super cool character with the bald guy, yep. he's in the show called Castle Rock, which is like all these Stephen King characters. Sure. The very first scene of the show... He's sitting in a car and next to a cliff. And he, I used this as an example with um, a coaching the other day. Somebody was singing this aria, and the character in the opera is about to commit suicide. And I was trying to get them to sort of like feel, like go deeper into the character. Mm-hmm. And so I used this reference from Castle Rock. Not that I know what it's like. That's not my point. But you know what I mean? Like, it's my job to be like... Sure. Um, that's not what I'm... Yeah, keep okay. going. So anyway, so I've, I used this uh, allusion to this episode of the show... Where he's sitting in the front seat of this car, and then he just looks like he's looking over this beautiful lake, and then and he is, and then next to him you see a noose, and then he goes to take the noose and put it over his neck, and he stops for a second, he stops himself, and then he puts it down again, then he brings it back up, and he like does a like really big like exhale, and then puts it back down again, Ooh. and the third time he just like does it really quick, and then guns her to the gas, and the rope is tied around a tree. Oh no, thanks. Oh, it's crazy. But, like, just the act of, like, I came here to do this. I'm going to do it. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. How am I going to do I can't do this. I can't do this. Yes, I am. And then, poof. It's like, oh. Anyway, for this aria, it was like, oh, it was Ricky. And so it was. Yeah, that was who I was talking to the aria about. Anyway, it was like, yeah, it's. It take it's it's the journey to get there. It's a lot. Oh, it's a lot. Anyway, go on, Eichmann. It's a lot. Nazis. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you knew who Eichmann was. There's a great movie on Netflix about him. Oh, uh, Ben Kingsley plays him. Oh, fun. Yeah. Well, not fun, but not yeah. fun, but great. Um, Otto Adolf Eichmann mm. was a German Austrian SS Oberströmbenführer and one nice. of the major organizers of the Holocaust. Yep. The final solution to the Jewish question uh, in Nazi terminology. He was tasked by SS Obergruppenführer Reinhard Heydrich with facilitating and managing the logistics involved in the mass deportation of Jews to ghettos and extermination camps in Nazi-occupied Eastern Europe during World War II. Mm. Eichmann was captured by the Mossad in Argentina on the 11th of May, 1960, and subsequently found guilty of war crimes in a wildly publicized trial in Jerusalem, uh, where he was then executed by hanging in 1962. Yeah, uh, I think that the height of capturing him and then the publicity of the thing kind of spiked in 1961 and that's kind of why he's centered in 1961 the court case was happening then probably exactly stranger in a strange land also in quotations so a title exactly it was an award winning fictional book by Robert A. Heinlein Uh, Heinlein maybe Mm. Uh, about Valentine Michael Smith uh, who was born during the first manned mission to Mars and was the only survivor 
He is then raised by Martians, and when he arrives back on Earth, he has no knowledge of anything about the planet or its cultures. Okay. In fact, he had never even seen a woman. Uh, but he was the legal heir to an enormous financial empire. He then explored human morality and the meanings of love and founded his own church, preaching free love. Many young rebels of the time within the 1960s selected Stranger as their counterculture Bible. It sounds like an interesting read for sure. I mean, maybe. Interesting. Not good, but interesting. I mean, it's no Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. No, 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 no. Not even close. Not even close. No. Dylan. Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> what? Name the movie. Uh, uh, um, Dylan. Room. The room. No. You son of a bitch. Who do I sound like? Or is it a bad impression? So Sylvester Stallone? No. You're on like the right track. Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. Oh, Expendables. No. Predator. Uh, oh. Yeah. He sees this guy and he's like, Dylan! <laughs> you son of a bitch. And they both like clap hands like that, but they start like oh, arm wrestling. Yeah. But it's, it's what's his name? Um, Buddy from... Um, oh, God. I can't think of his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. actually in The Mandalorian. Um, yes, yes, he is. What um, is this actor's name? Oh, God. Hey, Siri, who is Dylan from The Predator? Okay, I found this on the web for who is Dylan from The Predator. Check it out. Doesn't help you, does it? Oh, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers. And he's also in Arrested Development. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, Tobias meets him. He, he runs an acting class, and it's like absolute garbage. Yeah. He plays himself in the show. Great. Yep. Uh, but a great scene. Really funny. And I enjoyed it. So thank you. Maybe. Um, but not the same Dylan. Bob, Bob Dylan. Yes. Yeah. Is the debut studio album by American singer and songwriter Bob Dylan. Right. It's the name of his album. It's released on March 19th, 1962 by Columbia Records. The album was produced by Columbia's legendary talent scout, John H. Hammond, uh, who had earlier signed Dylan to the, rep- to the rebel, to the label. A decision which was at the time controversial. The album primarily features folk standards, but also includes two original compositions, Talkin', New York, and Song to Woody. The album did not intentionally, or sorry, did not initially receive much attention, but it achieved some popularity following the growth of Dylan's career, charting in the UK three years after its release, reaching number 13. Okay. Dylan met John Hammond at a rehearsal session. For Carolyn uh, Hester on September 14, 1961. Okay. At the apartment shared by Hester and her then-husband, Richard Farina. Hester had invited Dylan to a session as a harmonica player. Oh. And Hammond approved him as a session player after hearing him rehearse with recommendations from his son, musician John P. Hammond. So essentially, 1961 is when they were like, hey, do you want to jam? He's like, yeah, I'll jam. And in that session in 1961, he was like, you got something good, kid. (laughs) And that was it. Nice. Berlin. The Wall. The Wall. Okay. Exactly. The Berlin Wall was a guided... Uh, sorry, gar- what is wrong with me? I don't know. You're really struggling here. Small words, I'm mixing up. Yeah. But big words, I'm getting them. Yeah. Nope. For once in your life. Yeah. Punctuation, ignoring it. Ignoring it entirely. Yeah. Cadences, confusing them. Nope. Uh, English, the- second language. Yeah. <laughs> German, seems to be my first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your German was really good. Uh, The Berlin Wall was a guarded uh, concrete barrier that physically and ideologically divided Berlin from 1961 to 1989. Construction of the wall was commenced by the German 
Democratic Republic on the 13th of August, 1961. Okay. The wall cut off West Berlin from surrounding East Germany, including East Berlin. The barrier included guard towers placed along large concrete walls, accompanied by a wide area, later known as the Death Strip. Yikes. Uh, yeah. Uh, that contained anti-vehicle trenches, beds of nails, and other defenses. The Eastern Bloc portrayed the wall as protecting its population from fastest fascist elements conspiring to prevent the will of the people from building a socialist state. In East Germany. So, hang on. I'm hanging to protect on. them from other Germans? Yep. So the East and the West kind of divided. Okay. One kind of went a little communist, and the other one kind of Stayed in the Nazi world, and the fascist. other ones were like, nope, you're all crazy. Kind of fascist-y. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. And do you know what's really funny? In the last episode, just a mild correction. Yeah. Um, so, it was Gorbachev. Take down that wall, Mr. Gorbachev. Yeah. What did we say? Khrushchev. Khrushchev. Mm. I... Did the quote, but it was not the right quote. No. Yeah, I know. It was Gorbachev. I mean, are we surprised? We are not. That I screwed up? No, absolutely not. No. No. Bay of Pigs invasion. The Bay of Pigs invasion happened in April. I only ever, I don't mean to interrupt you, but whatever I think, I know what it is, kind of, but I always just picture like... A Bay of Pigs? Well, yeah, but like alien, like they're like, they have like weird little green hats or something. Like I always like, I always go full on cartoon alien pigs. Alien pigs or like... Army pigs, little green like berets. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bay of pigs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like an invasion of pigs on a bay. Yeah, yeah. But invasion makes me think like alien invasion. Alien. So like interesting. Yeah, there's, an, there's an element of alien as well. Like the pigs are like they got their little berets, but they're also flying in UFOs. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Interesting. That's what it is, right? Hey, I'm done. Okay. 1961 Dude, is completed. Yeah. Yeah, okay. uh, the Bay of Pigs invasion happened on April 1961. It was a failed attack launched by the CIA during the Kennedy administration to push Cuban leader Fidel Castro um, from power. On January 1st, 1959, a young Cuban nationalist named Fidel, Cri- Fidel Cristo, <laughs> Fidel Castro, drove his guerrilla army into Havana and overthrew General uh, Batista, which is what we I said. We knew this. I know. I said this earlier. I know. The nation's uh, American-backed president, uh, who actually Batista was kind of backing the American people. Okay. A bit. Yeah. So America wasn't happy. For the next two years, officials at the U.S. State Department and the CIA attempted to remove Castro. Finally, on April 17, 1961, the CIA launched what its leaders believed would be the definitive strike, a full-scale invasion of Cuba uh, by 1,400 American-trained pigs dressed as army men with green berets. No, 1,400 Americans trained. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Your yeah. look of confusion, you believe me for a second. But no, I was like, when you say pigs, you mean a different, like are you using like a euphemism in some way? No, no, no. 1,400 wow. American-trained Cubans okay. Okay. who initially fled their homes okay. when Castro took over. Oh. However, the invasion did not go well. The invaders were badly outnumbered by Castro's troops, and they surrendered within 24 hours of fighting. Oh. Apparently, some of the troops actually gave Castro a heads up. Oh, no. Yeah, they were kind of double, double spies. A- yeah, double agents. They were double pigs. Yikes. Yep. Okay. Lawrence of Arabia, British Beatlemania, Old Miss John Glenn, Liston Beats Patterson. Lawrence of Arabia. What? Nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm right here. I'm ready. You ready? 1962. The movie starring Peter O'Toole is released. The film... A British and American co-production depicts Lawrence's experiences in the Ottoman Empire's provinces of <laughs> Hejaz. 
H e j a z, Hejaz. Yeah, maybe. I kind of went for it. Hejaz, Hejaz, and Greater Syria during World War One. In particular, his attacks on Aqaba and Damascus, and his involvement in the Arab National Council. Its themes include Lawrence's emotional struggles with the personal violence inherent in war, his own identity, and his divided allegiance between his native Britain with its army and his newfound comrades with the Arabian Desert tribes. Interesting. He was known for wearing the Arab clothing of the troops that he led. So even though he was a British troop, he led, yeah. he led Arab troops, and he was known for wearing there. I like that. Yeah, very cool. Cool, 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 cool. And he like was very torn about all that. Cool, 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 cool. Lawrence of Arabia was nominated for 10 Oscars at the 35th Academy Awards in 1963. It won seven, including Best Picture and Best Director. It also won the Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture Drama and the BAFTA Awards for Best Film and Outstanding British Film. The film was widely regarded as one of the greatest and most influential films ever made. In 1991, it was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the United States Library of Congress. Wow. And selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. Right next to, like, Abel II. Abel II. Well, it's Abel the One. It was Albert the Fourth. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I have a question. So, in the last episode, we stated how a lot of this was subjective to Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. Like he said, these are things not only are important to pop culture and society and culture, but also what is important to him during mm-hmm. these times. So when we see these things like movies mm-hmm. and baseball players and things like that, do we think that's more subjective or objective? I think both. Like I think he was into baseball and therefore yeah. he's but like but they are objectively mm. the best baseball players of the time. Sure. Right? Um, like, like this m- movie. Obviously, that movie is epic. Yeah, but, like, not everybody enjoyed it, and it wasn't, like, if we think of, like, okay, just, like, a shot in the dark. If I were to have written this song, obviously, I wouldn't involve... Uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. But subjectively, like, that is something that's huge for me, but and it's huge culturally, but it may not be important to somebody else. Right. So, like, in this instance, that movie, because I've named three movies, you, I've named two books like yep. it's kind of like what point of this is subjective and what is it objective yeah i think it's it's subjective in that they spoke to billy joel it's objective in that you can't argue they weren't great they were in great. some capacity and and, and, and uh, cultural they they shifted the culture in some way yeah so like culturally significant is what i was trying to say you know in yeah. in, in in the phrase that you said that peter pan holds the same weight as yes. the berlin wall right which is important but like is a is what important I don't know. That, I'm just that they're I'm, both in there. Yeah, yeah. Because it's him. It's his decisions. Fair. He wrote it. I wish we did. Apparently, mm-hmm. he doesn't like the song. He said numerous times in interviews he's not a fan of it. Like, like musically, or yeah, he's like the, the whole melody is just like well, it's the three same notes. thing over. Yeah, and it's over like and it's over just again. like it's nothing satisfying. It's definitely about not it. his best work. No, no. Uh, British Beatlemania. Yeah. Four boys from Liverpool: John Lennon, Paul McCartney. George Harrison and Ringo Starr take over the music scene. I really can't do British anymore. I don't know what happened to me somewhere along the way. Like, I just like... Paul Ringo. Ringo Starr. Ringo. I said Paul Take Ringo, over the Ringo music Starr. scene in North America. Here's a quality quote. Commentators likened the intensity of this adulation to a religious fervor and to a female masturbation fantasy. You stop it. I shit you not. Among the displays of deity-like worship... Fans would approach the band in belief that they possessed supernatural healing powers. People what? went nutso. Well, you've heard videos of just people screaming when they come out. Like yeah. it's louder than you've ever heard anything True. in your life. Yeah. Anyway, that's the Beatles. I didn't go too in depth because we all know them. Yep. Uh, Old Miss. 
University of Mississippi, Old Miss is what it's called sometimes. Mm. Um, finally, after previously saying no, and they were basically told by the courts that they had to, admitted its first African-American student. James Meredith is escorted onto the University of Mississippi campus by U.S. Marshals, setting off a deadly riot. <sighs> Two men were killed before the racial violence was quelled by more than 3,000 federal soldiers. He graduated the following year and later wrote a memoir about the entire experience entitled Three Years in Mississippi. Wasn't a good time. Nope. But he did graduate. But it was a great time for Civil people. rights. Yeah. Yep. John Glenn became the first American to orbit the Earth in 1962. How lovely. He had previously been a U.S. Marine test pilot, but in 1959, he was assigned to NASA as one of the original group of Mercury astronauts. After he piloted the first American manned orbital mission aboard the Friendship 7. Friendship 7. He was considered an American hero and given a ticker tape parade. He later became a U.S. senator. Look at him go. He's doing all right. What an accomplished life. Really. Uh, Liston beats Patterson. Boxer. Yeah. Sonny Liston easily defeated heavyweight champion Floyd Patterson to gain the title. Liston was a large, mean-looking boxer that struck fear in the hearts of his opponents. Later, he was finally defeated by Cassius Clay, who after this very fight changed his name to Muhammad Ali. Oh, really? That's who finally beat him, yep. Wow. And, that, and he was Cassius Clay up to that point, and after he beat him, he changed his name. Bye. Cool. That's, that's really cool. Unto you, you Catholic. Unto I, the Catholic. I said get... you Catholic because the next thing you would say is Pope Paul. That is correct. Is it the same? Um... No. How's it go? Pope Paul, Malcolm X, British politician, sex, JFK, blowing away. What else do I have to say? Yeah. It's hard to do it at contacts, isn't it? A little bit. Because it, the way that it escalates upwards and upwards, to just start on one, it's sort of like, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pope Paul. The sixth, okay, otherwise known as Giovanni Battista Enrico Antonio Maria Montini. No, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he was born September twenty sixth, eighteen ninety seven, and died August sixth, nineteen seventy eight. Uh, was head of the Catholic Church and sovereign of the Vatican City State from twenty first of June. 1963 to his death in 1978 succeeding john the 23rd xx111 uh he continued the second vatican <laughs> XX. Aye, aye. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about that's funny uh he continued the second vatican council which he closed in 1965 Implementing its numerous reforms and fostered improved ecumenical relations with Eastern Orthodox and Protestant churches, right. which resulted in many historic meetings and agreements. Which yep. is lovely. Very lovely. Malcolm X. Malcolm Little, better known as Malcolm X, was an African-American Muslim minister and human rights activist who was a popular figure during the civil rights movement. He is best known for his time spent as a vocal spokesperson for the Nation of Islam. Oh, I know. I knew he was a civil rights, um, I guess, figure during that time. I didn't know he was very heavily involved in in Islam as well. No. Uh, Born in Omaha, Nebraska, and raised in Michigan, Malcolm X spent his teenage years living in a series of foster homes after his father's death and his mother's hospitalization. hospitalization. He engaged in several illicit activities there, eventually being sentenced to 10 years in prison in 1946 for larceny and breaking and entering. Oh. In prison, he joined the Nation of Islam, adopted the name Malcolm X, and quickly became one of the organization's most influential leaders after being uh, p- paroled in 1952. 
Malcolm X then served as the public face of the organization for a dozen years, where he advocated for black supremacy, black empowerment, and the separation of black and white Americans. And public, Separation. Yeah, and publicly criticized the mainstream civil rights movement for its emphasis on nonviolence and racial integration. Oh. Yeah. Malcolm X also expressed pride in some of the nation's social welfare achievements, namely its free drug rehabilitation program on December 10th, 1963. While still the leading spokesperson of the Nation of Islam, Malcolm X gave a speech at a rally in Detroit, Michigan. That speech outlined his basic black nationalist philosophy and established him as a major critic of the civil rights movement. Do you know, I can't, it, it's going to say, I'm going to speak very out of turn because sure. I really don't know a whole lot more than my little bit of research. Because like yeah. I said, I didn't know he was uh, very strongly into Islam, right. but he kind of seems like the Grindelwald of the civil rights movement. Yes. Like right. your we, heart is in the right place, but you're going the too far in the exactly. other direction. Yeah. We were the downtrodden. We, yep. as the wizards, were the downtrodden. Yep. And now let's we, rise above them. We, we are the superior race. Exactly. It right. kind of it fits into that. Now, I could be completely speaking out of turn. Right. But that's kind of the tone that I got from just yes. that basic thing. I'd yeah. love someone to be like, uh-uh, you're dumb. Yeah. And please let us know. I, I actually think that's a great topic. Actually. But I was sort of feeling that as well. It's like he, like as opposed to the Martin Luther King Jr. situation yes. of like, we would like to be treated equally yes, we, as we should have been in the first place. Yeah. He's sort of like, no, screw equal. Yeah. Let's 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 be better. Why would we want we to why would we want to join with those people? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um British politician sex. Which was kinda like Who was doing it? Mar- uh, Margaret Thatcher and somebody. Margaret Thatcher. Whoop. No. Imagine no one ever had sex with Margaret Thatcher. <sighs> Maybe she had children, I don't know. Who's to say? Artificial insemination. We're terrible people. <laughs> On June 5th, 1963, British Secretary of War John Profumo resigns his post following revelations that he had lied to the House of Commons about his sexual affair with Christine Keeler, an alleged prostitute. Ooh. At the time of the affair, Keeler, who also was involved with Eugene Ivanov, a Soviet naval attaché, who some suspected was a spy. Although Profumo assumed the government that he... Uh, assured, sorry, the government that he had not compromised national security in any way, the scandal threatened to topple Prime Minister Harold McMillan's government. Keeler was a Cliveden. Cliveden? Cliveden? I have no idea what word you're trying to say. C-L-I-V-E-D-E-N. Cliveden. Not sure Hmm. what it means. Cliveden. Yep. As a guest of Dr. Stephen Ward, uh, a society osteopath and part-time portraitist, uh, who rented a cottage at the estate from his friend Lord Astor. Keeler was working as a showgirl at a London nightclub when she first met Dr. Ward. Ward took her under his wing, and they lived together in his London flat, but were not lovers. Hmm. He encouraged her to pursue sexual relations with his high-class friends. And on and take a profit? And on one or more occasions, Keeler apparently accepted money in exchange for sex. Oh. Ward introduced her to his friend Ivanov, and she began a sexual relationship with the Soviet diplomat. Several weeks after meeting Profumo at Cliveden, oh, Cliveden's a place, she also began an affair with the war minister. Right. There is no evidence to either of these men paid her for sex, but Profumo once gave Keeler some money to buy her mother a birthday present. (laughs) Sure. My fellow Britons, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yeah, kind yeah, of. Kind of. Um, 
I mean, obviously a threat to national security. Well, if the Russians were like, somehow were like, hey, tell us what you know about this guy. She's like, I don't have any allegiance to him. Well, here's, she's, here's she wasn't the Russian. No, I know. Yeah. But if, if, an, if a... Oh, oh, just it, like an outside party was If an like, enemy yeah, yeah. got to her and was like, hey, can you tell us about this guy? She's like, sure, whatever. What do you sure. want to pay me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's got a freckle there on the inside. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I guess it's just like, just not nice. Yeah. Just some hanky-panky. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. JFK, blow away. Well, I'll do what I have to say. So JFK, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas, November 22nd, 1963. I stood on the spot. <laughs> we at, know, we know. At 12.30 p.m. I will not be explaining anymore. No. Please see episode 9 of Splain and Podcast titled Hanky Panky. I think it's a very good explanation of it. I think it's a fantastic explanation Well, thank of you, it. Jeff. It's so kind. Um, have you seen The Umbrella Academy? Yes, all of it. Have you seen the new season? Uh, is it on Netflix? Yes. I've seen everything on There's Netflix. There's two seasons. Yeah. So the one both. with JFK? Yeah. Okay, obviously. So good. So great. Yeah. And what else do like, I have to say? <laughs> and like, and and liable, I mean, aside from the whole time travel situation. Yeah. But like, that, the umbrella that's, and the, what you oh, talking yeah, about, the grassy knoll? Remember I told you about the guy with yes, the umbrella? Yes, 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 yes. But the, the guy behind the fence shooter is like the most likely vantage point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think. I think it's a, it, it was a great... Um, manipulation of actual real life history. Yeah, they use like all the, of the facts. And... It was very, very well placed. Yeah, I wonder, like, if when they sat down at the table, they're like, "What are we gonna do the next season?" Of they're like, "Man, the yeah. Umbrella Academy, the Umbrella Academy." Like, what? The, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so now, oh, we, that's it, right? Yes. What else do I have to say? Yeah. Yep. Nothing. Well, more later, but well, first, it's me. Sure. Um. So from here to the end, there's not a specific year. It's 1964 to 1989. It's not necessarily chronological. Um, but the attempt, it's just, I think he just get, gets a little bit lazy at the end. He's like, here's all the stuff that happened. <laughs> I think he ran out of time. Yeah. Uh, birth control. Oh, I gotta do the whole thing. Um, birth control, Ho Chi Minh, Richard Nixon back again, Moonshot, Woodstock, Watergate, Punk Rock. Nice. Thank you. Birth control. It is ruled by Supreme, Supreme Court that companies who provided insurance for prescription drugs to their employees but excluded birth control were violating the Civil Rights Act of 1964. How rude. This helped further women's rights regarding, regarding contraception and led to the legalization of abortion. If only that was the end of that conversation. Imagine. Ugh. 1964. So close yet so far. So far. So far. Ho Chi Minh was an outspoken voice for Vietnam independence while living in France during World War I. He joined the Communist Party and traveled to the Soviet Union. He helped found the Indo-Chinese Communist Party and the League for the Independence of Vietnam, also known as the Viet Minh. At the end of World War II, Viet Minh's forces seized the northern Vietnam, uh, Vietnamese city of Hanoi and declared... Hanoi. What did I say? Hanoi. <laughs> and declared a democratic state of Vietnam, or North Vietnam, with Ho as president. Known as Uncle Ho, he served as president of North Vietnam for 25 years during the entire Vietnam War. I didn't know that Vietnam was divided. I thought it was Vietnam was Vietnam, but it was the whole Vietnam War was North Korea versus or North North Korea North, North Vietnam, Vietnam versus South Vietnam. It's exact same exact same. La, 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 la. It's the Korea thing, but yeah, not. and also Berlin. Yeah. Yep. Um, the U.S. were just there supporting South Vietnam. Yes. American airstrikes against North Vietnam began in 1965, and a year later, Ho sent a message to the country's people that nothing is as dear to the heart of the Vietnamese as independence and liberation. Ooh. This became the motto of the North Vietnamese cause. It was a symbol for the unification of the country. 
Ho Chi Minh died in Hanoi. 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 At the age of 79 in 1969. Flash forward. For a second, this will not feel relevant, but it will be. Um, on April 29th, 1975, and this feels very eerie, White Christmas played from radios across Saigon, like Bing Crosby, White Christmas. Yeah. The signal for Americans to evacuate the capital. Just White Christmas playing. 7,000 people, Americans and South Vietnamese, were evacuated from the city. Saigon had fallen to communist forces. North Vietnamese Colonel Bun Tin, accepting the surrender of South Vietnam, remarked, You have nothing to fear. Between Vietnamese, there are no victors and no vanquished. Only the Americans have been defeated. Ooh. That day, Saigon was renamed Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah. So they named it after him. Yep. And they just became a communist state. Nice. Richard Nixon back again. After losing the presidential election to JFK in 1960 and then losing the governor of California in 1962, the former vice president fought back to regain prominence in national politics. Great. One thing he did that actually is credited to have made him much more favorable to Americans was go on the popular television comedy show, <laughs> Laugh-In. Yeah. Nixon repeated the show's running gag line, Sock it to me! Numerous times giving the impression he was not such a dour person after all. No. And that made him more likely to be president, and he was. Sure. Dour, the, the, I had to look up the um, definition of dour. It is someone who is relentlessly severe, stern, or gloomy in manner or appearance. Oh, goodness. <laughs> what a good word. Yeah, dour. Uh, November 5th, 1968, Nixon defeats incumbent Vice President Hum... Who... <laughs> hum who... Hubert Humphrey. <laughs> and becomes the 37th president of the United States. Great. Moonshot, by definition, is... Definition. <laughs> it's so late. It's, 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 uh, it's catching on, whatever yeah. you were affected by. Yeah. Um, by definition, is a spacecraft mission to the moon. It can also mean an extremely ambitious project or mission undertaken to achieve a monumental goal. Huh. Or in sports... A ball hit or thrown that travels at a great distance with a high trajectory. The term was first used in 1949 in reference to traveling to the moon. Sure. Billy Joel is likely referring to not just the moon landing on July 20th, 1969, but more to the fact that the race to the moon and moon shot became an obsession during the 1960s. The shot to the moon. Yep. Woodstock. For three days in the summer of 1969, Max Yasger donating his dairy farm in Bethel, New York for an Aquarian... Exposition, Three Days of Peace and Music, mm. which became Woodstock Rock Festival. Nice. It attracted an audience of more than 400,000 people. Go on. Sullivan County declared a state of emergency, and nearby Stewart Air Force Base helped ensure order and airlifted performers in and out of the concert site. It's hilarious how glamorized like Woodstock sounds when you're like, oh my God, you was at Woodstock. He was at Woodstock. It was clearly a shit show. Shit show. There had been loads of rain. So everything... Literally manure. It was a yeah. farm. Yeah. There would have been loads of so much rain that everything was just mud. Jimi Hendrix went um, on last at 8.30. And you're like, oh, my God, Jimi Hendrix, imagine going to see him. He went on at 8.30 in the morning, the third day. There was only 30,000 people left. Everyone else had left. Many of the 30,000 stuck around to get a glimpse of him and then just left during his set. <laughs> They're like, there's Jimi Hendrix. Okay, see you later. Got dirt on there now. Yeah. John Fogarty of CCR had a great quote saying, we were ready to rock out, and we waited and waited, and finally it was our turn. There were a half a million people asleep. Ugh. These people were out. It was sort of like a painting of a Dante scene, just bodies from hell, all intertwined and asleep, covered with mud. 
And this is the moment I will never forget as long as I live. A quarter mile away in the darkness, on the other edge of this bowl, there was some guy flicking his Bic lighter in the night. I can hear him say, Don't worry about it, John. We're with you. <laughs> I played the rest of the show for that guy. Oh, man. <laughs> Isn't that good? That is so great. A quarter of a mile away in a sea of sleeping, druggy mud people. We got you, John. Don't worry about it, John, with a little Bic lighter. That's we great. got you. We're oh, with you. I love it. Watergate. Yep. Supporters and staff of U.S. President Richard Nixon were accused of breaking into the Democratic headquarters in the Watergate Hotel. Nixon tried to cover it up. Soon was forced to resign from office. Several of her staff members were sent to prison. For more information on Watergate, please refer to explain in Episode 8, The Watergate Snowman. The Watergate What a great title. So good. I can't remember the context of The Watergate Snowman. I do. You do? Yeah. Is it well, funny? Yes, but I'm not telling you. Okay. Listen to it. Exactly. Punk rock, or simply punk. Hmm. emerges as a genre in the mid-1970s. In the mid-1970s. <laughs> We're talking Sex Pistols, Ramones, Dead Kennedys, The Clash, and more modernly, Green Day, Blink-182. Uh-huh. Punk was the answer to what many original lovers of rock and roll thought was selling out. Punk questioned all traditional conventions, including the idea that you had to know how to play an instrument before you could start a band. <laughs> they were just like, do you know how to play bass? Nope. And they just let them join. Without the spectacle of rock, punk rockers would adorn T-shirts and Levi's. Leather jackets and even SMN gear, S and M gear. What's the, that? You know what that is, wow. wow. Uh, the genre stems from the garage bands of the 1960s, edgy, rough, and raw. The bands would oftentimes produce and record their own albums to avoid any of the overproduced modern day rock of the mm, 1970s. The paleo. Was it paleo? Paleo. No, that's a diet. What's the thing that was hap- people were paying the recording people? Paola. Paola. Yep. Uh, there was a whole thing with the Sex Pistols merch being banned from stores, and everyone was disgusted with them, all because they were on the Today Show, and the host asked Steve Jones to say, he's like the lead guy, yeah. to say something outrageous. And he said, what a f***ing rotter. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, like, the world went up. They were like, you can't say that. You can't do um, it. They also went and recorded a song called God Save the Queen, oh. which is a musical middle finger to monarchal obligation. Sure. It was banned from many radio stations and yet still reached number one. Not to mention, and this is could be a full episode. Um, th- there's an episode of this on My Favorite Murder. Um, Nancy Spungen, girlfriend to Sex Pistols bassist Sid Vicious, was found stabbed to death in her New York City bathroom. Lord Diane. Sid was suspected. Mm. There's a whole thing to that. Um, it's really good. But anyway, that's, you know, punk rock. Punk Just rock. stabbing people and saying the F word on national television. Well, there you go. That's all. And as we continue with the trend, this is the one that scares me. Began Reagan nope. Pal Began. Began? Rhymes with Reagan. Oh yeah, it makes more sense. Began Began Reagan Palestine terror on the airline. Ayatollahs? Yep. Ayatollahs in Iran, Russians in Afghanistan. Yeah. So Began is uh Menachem Began. Uh he was born sixteen. What's uh, the first name? Menchin? Menachem. Okay. M E N A C H E M. Great was an Israeli politician, founder of Likud, and the sixth prime minister of Israel. Before the creation of the state of Israel, he was the leader of the Zionist militant group Ergen, uh, which was the revisionist breakaway from the larger Jewish paramilitary organization. <laughs> this whole episode, people are going to go like, I think this what strokes? are they trying to say? What is wrong with these two gentlemen? Yeah. It's 10 p.m. on a Sunday. Yeah. Can we help them somehow? Yes. Help me help you. Um, Reagan. 
Yep. Ronald Wilson Reagan was an American politician who served as the 40th president of the United States mm. from 1981 to 1989 and became an, a highly influential voice of modern conservatism. Prior to his presidency, he was a Hollywood actor and union leader before serving as the 33rd governor of California from 1967 to 1975. In 1980, Reagan won the Republican presidential nomination and defeated the incumbent president, Jimmy Carter, at 69 years, 349 days of age. At the time of his first inauguration... Reagan was the oldest president to assume the United States presidency. Ah. Yeah, a distinction he held until 2017 when Donald J. Trump yeah. was inaugurated at age 70 years, 220 days. Yeah. Reagan faced former Vice President Walter Mondale uh, when he ran for re-election in 1984 and defeated him, winning the most electoral votes of any U.S. president, 525, or... 97.6% wow. of the 538 votes in the, the electoral 80s were a conservative time. Very. Yeah. Uh, it was the second most lopsided presidential election in modern U.S. history after Franklin D. Roosevelt's uh, 1936 victory over Alfred M. Landon, in which he won 98.5% of 523 of the total 531 electoral votes. Wow. In his first term, he survived an assassination attempt. He spurred the war on drugs and fought public sector labor unions. In foreign affairs, he denounced communism and invaded the uh, island country of Granada after communist elements took control. As a result, a new government was appointed by the governor general. With the economy booming again, foreign affairs crisis dominated his second term. Major concerns uh, were the bombing of Libya, the Iran-Iraq war, the Iran-Contra affair, and the renewed Cold War. In June of 1987, four years after he publicly described the Soviet Union as an evil empire, Reagan challenged Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev to tear down this wall yeah. during a speech at the Berlin Wall. He transitioned Cold War policy from uh, detente to robe detente, detente, D-E-T-E-N-T, with an accent aigu over the E. Tantant? <laughs> to roll back by escalating an arms race with the USSR. He then engaged in talks with Gorbachev Then uh, that culminated in the INF Treaty, which shrank both countries' nuclear arsenals. Reagan began his presidency during the decline of the Soviet Union. The Cold War ended in October 1989, and Soviet communism suddenly collapsed in 1991. Very good. Yeah. Palestine. 1976, March 30th, also known as the Land Day in a Palestinian protest against the state of Israel, confiscating land from the Palestinian territories. Palestinian uh, citizens clash with Ir Israeli police, leaving six Arabs dead, around 100 wounded, and hundreds more are arrested. Okay. It could probably... This, this entire section could really just use an entire episode or an entire season of splaining right like the israeli and, and palestine conflict yeah like, truly oh yeah yeah um yeah it's been a year long years years and years conflict oh yeah, yeah, which yeah we could take years to describe yep yeah Tiber on the airline uh numerous airline hijackings take place during the late 1980s and lead into the 1970s but most notably the eiai flight or AI flight 426, <laughs> which happened in 1968. 
Dawson's Field Hijackings, 1970. The Air France Flight 139, 1976. The Lufthansa Flight 181, 1977. The Malaysia Airlines Flight 653, 1977. TWA Flight 847, in 1985, Egypt Air Flight 648, 1985, Pan Am Flight 73, 1986, Iraqi Airways Flight 163 in 1986. Did all these flights crash? Not not all of them. A they lot were, of them did. So like they were hijacked and then like they were like, I want you to do this or whatever. Some of them like landed and demanded specific things. All right. Some of them, the pilots crashed. So right. like there was lots and lots of, each one of them like had their own kind of right. reasoning behind it. Yikes. It's messy stuff. Yeah, it's um, not a good one for you to do, but No, honestly. Um, Ayatollahs in Iran. Ayatollah Khomeini? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I don't like laughing at words, like foreign words. Just because like names, especially because yeah. they were but people. Like, it's just, I'm laughing at you yeah. struggling. Uh, I'm not laughing at the name. No. Ayatollah Khomeini. <laughs> Co no, 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 just move forward. Became the supreme religious leader of the Islamic Republic of Iran in 1979. Following many years of resistance to Shah Pahlavi, following his appointment as Ayatollah, he worked to. He worked to remove the Shah from power for his associations with the West. Upon the success of the revolution, Ayatollah was named religious and political leader of Iran for life. What? Yeah. Months later, 52 American diplomats and citizens, as well as citizens of other nations, were kidnapped and held hostage for 444 days (gasps) in the U.S. Embassy in Tehran. Yikes. Yeah, yikes indeed. Russians in Afghanistan. Obviously, you can see what's happening. Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. It was an invasion of Afghanistan in late December of 1979 by troops from the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union intervened in support of the Afghan communist government in its conflict with anti-communist Muslim guerrillas during the Afghan war from 1978 to 1992 and remained in Afghanistan until mid-February 1989. The war in Afghanistan became a quagmire for what by the late 1980s was a disintegrating Soviet Union. The Soviets suffered some 15,000 dead and many more injured. Despite having failed to implement a uh, sympathetic regime in Afghanistan in 1988, the Soviet Union signed an accord with the United States, Pakistan, and Afghanistan and agreed to withdraw its troops. The Soviet withdrawal was completed on February 15, 1989, and Afghanistan returned to a non-aligned status. Rebels were supported by the United States, and finally, after a long, costly war, the Soviets were forced to withdraw from the country. Ironically enough, the Afghan rebel troops, who were supported by the U.S., later used the arms supplied by the U.S. to fight the Americans. Oh. Which is where Osama bin Laden comes from. Right? Yep. He was part of that guerrilla warfare that the U.S. trained right. to attack the Soviets. Wow. He then used his training and all the arms to create Al-Qaeda. And, right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm not done. Is you are? Am I? Yep. Oh, I just didn't separate the phrases, did yeah, I? Yep. You didn't. Russians in the gangster was the end. Yep. Um, Wheel of Fortune, Sally Ride, Heavy Metal, Suicide, Foreign Debts, Homeless Vets, AIDS, Crack, Bernie Gets. 
Wheel of Fortune. Great show. Wheel of Fortune! The popular game show version of Hangman, which I've never thought about before, but that's literally what Wheel of Fortune is. May as well be. You just guess a letter. Yeah. And then... If you get it wrong, you lose. Yep. Uh, created by Merv Griffin, debuted in 1975. The original series was a daytime show on NBC, which was finally canceled in 1991. The nighttime version began in 1983 and for eight years coexisted with the daytime version. They had two episodes of Wheel of Fortune running per day for eight years. 1991 is when it got canceled? The daytime version. The oh. nighttime version picked up in 1983, and for eight years, they, they had a daytime and nighttime episode. That is crazy to me. I feel like, yeah. Not a rerun in the nighttime. A different episode. I understand. Wheel of Fortune ranks as the longest-running game show in the United States with over 7,000 episodes taped and aired. The 38th season premiered on September 14, 2020, and Pat Sajak became the longest-running host of any game show ever, surpassing Bob Barker, who had hosted The Price is Right from 1972 to 2007 for 35 years. Wow. Vanna White has also been on Wheel of Fortune since near the beginning, 1983. She's a Newfoundlander, isn't she? No. 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 There's someone who's a Newfoundlander. Uh, You might be thinking of Gene Simmons' wife. Tweed. Who was a porn star. Yeah. What's your last name, Tweed? Shannon. Shannon Tweed. Yeah. Vanna White, (laughs) unrelated to Shannon Tweed, has also been on Wheel of Fortune since near the beginning. For the first few years, she was the hostess on the daytime and nighttime versions, except for one week in June 1986 when she got a sub since her fiancé had died in a plane crash. That's the only week she took off, basically. Oh, my God. Um, Vanna White is famous for her quick and seamless revealing of letters on the game board, an infectious smile, and constant clapping in support of each cont- uh, episode's contestants. On May 24th, 2013 so episode. Well, yeah, but like it was like iconic for, I guess, her. Um, on May 24th, 2013 episode of Wheel of Fortune, Vanna White was presented with a Guinness World Record certificate for most frequent clapper. As of January 31st, 2013, it was estimated she clapped at least 3,480,864 times across the show's 30 seasons. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Yep, that's all it is. Uh, Hey guys, Vanna wants a a raise. Listen, how about we just give her a world record clapping? Yeah, that'll 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 do it. That'll do it. She's doing very well. Apparently, she invested in some real estate, and she's like, she's doing okay for herself. Bitcoin. Um, Sally Ride became the first Af- American woman in space as a member of the Space Shuttle crew in 1983. Wow. That's all I would say about Sally Ride. Um, she was also like, later on, she was on the commission for like when the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded. And like, she was like the one, like one of the people who was on the committee of being like, was whose fault was this? Wow. Um, she was very influential. Uh, heavy metal suicide. So this is a sort of up for debate because it all depends on where the comma falls. Is it heavy metal, comma, suicide, or heavy metal, suicide, comma? One viewpoint is that Billy Joel has two topics here. Heavy metal, where heavy metal rock just comes on the music scene. Sure. And suicide, where the suicide rate among young people just seemed to be rising at this time. Or, and I think this is more likely, in the 1980s, um, it was heavy metal suicide. Both Ozzy Osbourne and Judas Priest, considered to be the beginning groups for heavy metal, were sued, claiming that their lyrics encouraged some young people to commit suicide. Two days before Christmas in 1985, a pair of young Nevada men shot themselves after listening to albums by Judas Priest. The lawyers actually claimed there were subliminal messages in several recordings. The lawyer for Judas Priest argued that the youths had lived sad and miserable lives, and the problems that led to their deaths began long before any connection with heavy metal music. 
valid. Oh, in three imagine, pre- imagine being that lawyer, being yeah. like, no, Sorry, no, your but sons like, were depressed. Yeah. They didn't get the attention they needed. Yeah. Oh, man, that's rough. In three previous incidents in California, Georgia and New Jersey, fans of heavy metal have killed themselves after listening to the album Suicide Solution by Ozzy Osbourne. Mm -hmm. The case was dismissed when the court ruled that the song lyrics were protected by the freedom of speech provisions of the First Amendment. There you go. It's like, he can say what he wants. If someone kills himself because of what he said, he can't be held liable for it. Nope. Uh, Foreign debts. In 1988, the U.S. government reported $532.5 billion in foreign debts, the world's largest debtor country. As recently as 1983, the United States was the world's largest creditor nation with an investment surplus of $89 uh, billion. This is just five years later. That fell to $3.3 billion in 1984 and disappeared altogether in 1985, the year the U.S. became a net debtor for the first time in 71 years. Just say what transaction caused that? They did not. They were, because they were so wealthy, they were just basically buying up a bunch of shit in all over the world uh-huh. and went in, went in super hardcore debt because of it. But obviously they made their money back in the end. Mm, um, did they? Mm, I don't know. I don't know the financial state above them. Uh, homeless vets. Homeless what? Vets. Oh. Still a problem today. Yeah, I feel like that's not a great one. No, really sad. No. Uh, the, my next two are wolf. Actually, my next... Everything from here to the end is really bad. Yeah. Um, veterans return home from wars and are not properly taken care of. This sure. is still a problem. Their pensions aren't enough to live on, and they may have such severe PTSD that they turn to drugs and alcohol, and their lives begin to deteriorate rapidly. Homeless veterans neared pandemic levels after the Vietnam War. Nearly half of all homeless veterans today served during the Vietnam era. Wow. Yeah, it's really, really, really sad. On to AIDS. Oh, great. The AIDS pandemic hit the U.S. in 1981. Since the beginning of the AIDS pandemic, nearly 700,000 people have died of HIV-AIDS. Nearly 13,000 still die each year. The overall death rate decreased by 62%, though, from 2001 to 2012. Good. In Randy Schiltz's 1987 book, And the Band Played On, he contends that the Reagan administration dragged its feet in dealing with the crisis due to homophobia. Great. The gay community was showing early signs of how serious this would be, but it was ignored because the disease seemed to spread quickly through the gay community. It was quickly condemned as the gay plague. Of course, when we look at the facts, it was just the lifestyles of many homosexual men who were being forced to live uh, through homophobia and fear of prejudice that would cause men to be partaking in unprotected sex. That's why it was spreading. Not to mention, once contracted, being a discriminated minority made it way harder to get the necessary testing, treatment, and care. Uh, we see AIDS right now as like mostly eradicated, uh, but that's a very first world view. Uh, although no longer referred to as a pandemic, AIDS is still a global epidemic. It's still the 14th largest killer globally. Uh, in South Africa and Botswana, over one in four deaths are caused by HIV AIDS. And still to this day, when I go donate, donate blood at Blood Health Canada or whatever it's called, one of the questions on it is, have you had sex with a man? If you answer yes, you can't donate blood. Oh. Because of the AIDS pandemic. Which doesn't make any sense. We've proven that doesn't matter. And it's still a question in Canada. I wish there was like a like a quick test for major infections and diseases in your blood. Yeah. So they could be like, instead of answering this ridiculous questionnaire. Yeah. Just test me. Just test me. Yeah. If you want my blood based on yeah. I have a cold. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? I have stinky feet. Yeah. But you'll still take my blood. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Or, or yeah. not. Like, yeah. it seems silly. It's insane. Uh, crack. 
Great. While the use of coca leaves as an intoxicant dates back 3,000 years, BCE, crack cocaine, a crystallized form of cocaine, was developed during the cocaine boom of the 1970s, and its use spread in the mid-1980s. By the late 1970s, there was a huge amount of cocaine powder being shipped into the United States. This caused the price of the drug to drop by as much as 80%. Faced with dropping prices for their illegal product, drug dealers converted the powder to crack, a solid form of cocaine that could be smoked. Broken into small chunks, or rocks, this form of cocaine could be sold in smaller quantities to more people at bigger profit. So, like, you know, giddy up if you're a drug dealer. Mm -hmm. It was cheap, simple to produce, easy to use, and highly profitable. The biggest surge in the use of the drug occurred during the crack epidemic between 1984 and 1990 when the drug spread across American cities. By uh, by 1986, crack could be found in 46 states. Wow. Yep. Bernie Getz. This one is pretty correct. What? Uh, Bernie Getz was the defendant of the 1984 New York subway shooting. Getz was riding a subway when four men asked for him for $5 and then attempted to rob him. I Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah, pulls yeah. a gun, yep. shoots all four of them yep. in self-defense, leaving one paralyzed. Yep. He escapes, but nine days later turns himself into police when they're looking for whoever the shooter was. Yep. The response from the public initially was very positive towards Getz. Uh, good for him for defending himself and standing up against crime in the city. Because he was literally riding a subway. Sure, he had a concealed weapon, and that's not great. But it was also um, ammunition, pun intended, for the NRA to rally for civilians carrying guns. Yep. Right? However, there are a couple of factors that made this case a little more complicated. Firstly, all four men who attempted to rob him were young black men. Yep. So immediately we think, oh, maybe it's a hate crime or racism. Sure. But then one of the men admitted that they did intend to rob him as he looked like an easy target. Yep. And I've seen pictures of him. And he does look like an easy target. Have you seen the documentary on Netflix, um, Trial by Media? No. There's an entire hour and two minute episode about this specific case. Oh. And it is great. I bet. Yep. Uh, so then there's a detail that Daryl Cavey, the young man who was left paralyzed, was shot not once but twice. Mm-hmm. Police reports indicate that Getz saw the fourth guy, KB, who appeared to not be significantly hurt and said, you don't look so bad. Here's another one. And shot him again. So, you know, not so good. No. Uh, He was convicted of illegal possession of firearms and reckless endangerment of the other passengers on the subway because he shot off five bullets on the subway. Yep. Other people just standing around. Uh, But he was acquitted of second-degree murder charges. Yep. Um, However, the family of Daryl KB filed a civil suit against him in civil court. Um, and he lost, and he had to pay $43 million. Yep, which he does not have. Which he does not have. He now lives a boring life, doing yep. just about nothing. He works back yep. in his science lab like he always yep. did, uh, and he has to pay checks based on how much he makes to the yep. family. If he ever writes a book, if he ever yep. tells a story, if a movie gets made about him, they he gets any sort of role, they get yep. everything until yep. the $43 million is paid. As they should. Like, oh, yes, yeah. they were trying to rob you. But, like... That last shot at the end? Last shot at the end, man. Yeah. If he just had to be like, you look fine, I'm going to leave you alone. Yeah. He wasn't He wasn't still coming for you. No. Self-defense had expired by that point. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay, Jeff, wrap it up. Let's wrap it up! Um, Hypodermics on the shore. No. How does that, how's the last bit go? Um, Hypodermics on the shore. China's under martial law. Rock and roll. Cola wars. I can't take it anymore. Begging, Reagan, Palestine, terror on the air, Ayatollahs in Iran, Russian is in Afghanistan. Hypothermics on the shore, China's under martial law, rock and cola, cola wars, I can't take it anymore. There we go. Here we go. Let's clue it up. So, hypodermics on the shores. 
Okay, the syringe tide mm. was, and did you did you know about this? No, but I, like needles of the crack pandemic, is it basically linked to that? I mean, it, it may as well be. Okay. Um, but the syringe tide was an environmental disaster during 1987 to 1988 in Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York, where significant amounts of medical waste, including hypodermic syringes, and raw garbage washed up onto beaches on the Jersey Shore in New York Yikes. and on Long Island. This forced the closing of beaches on the Atlantic coast. Officials scrambled to identify the source of the material as some local economies struggled with diminished tourism. Yeah. Yeah. Reports of medical waste and sewage spills drove away hundreds of thousands of vacationers, costing the $7.7 billion a year tourism industry on the Jersey Shore more than $1 billion in lost revenue that summer. Wow. Isn't that shocking? Do they know where it came from? Well, later the losses were tailed between 15 to 40% of typical tourism revenue. It was a source of even greater turmoil due to the HIV-AIDS epidemic of the 1980s. Mm. Uh, officials finally traced the source of the waste to the Fresh Kills landfill on Staten Island. After much deliberation, New York City was required to pay $1 million for past pollution damages, as well as pay for the cleanup. Although no reper- no reparations were paid to the business owners to the Jersey Shore for revenues lost during the months of inactivity. Wow. Yeah. China's under martial law, martial law in Taiwan refers to the periods in the history of Taiwan after World War II that are under the control by the Republic of China Armed Forces of the Kuomintang, uh, Kuomintang-led government of the Republic of China regime. Mm. The term is specifically used to refer uh, the over 38-year-long consecutive martial law period. 38 years of martial law? Between May 20th, 1949 to July 14th, 1987. Wow. Which was qualified as the longest imposition of martial law by a regime anywhere in the world. Yep. At that time, it has since been surpassed by Syria. Um Oh, sorry. Um, With the outbreak of the Chinese Civil War, the Declaration of Martial Law in Taiwan Province was enacted by Chen Cheng, who served as the chairman of Taiwan Province uh, Government and commander of Taiwan Garrison Command. In 19, uh, sorry, of May 19, 1949. This order is effective within the territory of the Taiwan Province, including the island of Taiwan and Penggu. Penggu? Maybe. Pangu, Pangu. Remember that little show with the penguin? Yeah, I'm sure that's not what they're referring to. No, probably not. No. The uh, provincial martial law order was then uh, suspended by an amendment um, of the Declaration of Nationwide Martial Law, which was enacted by the central government of the Republic of China after the amendment received a retroactive consent by the legislative Yuan one in March 14, 1950. Pretty well, it was a long-ass martial law in China. I'll say, yep. And martial law is like curfews and it, it's pretty like well police in the streets and military in the streets. Yep, yep. it's it's military ran society. Yep. Wow, yep. rock and roller cola war cola wars. So Pepsi and Coke, is Pepsi it? and Coke. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty well it. It's just the rival between Pepsi and Coke. All the advertisements they did and all the things that they did to kind of outwit another. Um, the hiring of celebrities and music people and all that kind of fun stuff, ending with obviously uh, Paul Abdul, Michael Jackson, Britney Spears, uh, the Coca Cola Polar Bears, Santa Claus, all these kinds of great memorable things. But the rock and roller part of it is. 
Michael Jackson and Paula Abdul specifically. Yeah. 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 Because like he was like he was Pepsi, right? Uh, Michael Jackson was Pepsi. Yeah, for like years. Yeah, and she was. I mean, that's a weird war to me because it's a pop a, culture war in America. A Pepsi tastes better, in my opinion. B Michael Jackson is as a musician. We're not going to go down the Michael Jackson train, but no. like as a musician, far above Paula Abdul. Yeah, who even is that? If she wasn't on American Idol, I'd be like, who are you? Yeah, seriously. That's a weird, like, oh, they've got Michael Jackson. Who are we going to get? It's also such an anticlimactic thing to end the song with. Mm, yeah, I guess. Maybe I can't take it anymore. Maybe everything he's listed over the history has been, like, such crazy things. And this is the thing that he just can't take it anymore. It's just the straw that broke the camel's back. Such yeah. a small, insignificant bout in American history. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and a poor way to end the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could have just done a better job explaining it, perhaps. Like, I mean, maybe, you maybe could have, I could, you have. could have done a study on Paula Abdul's discography and sang us a couple songs, perhaps. Uh, well, listen, you got to give the people what they want. And it's that. And that is for us to finish up as soon as possible. And I will. Um, so next episode is Halloween. Did you know this? Well, yes, I knew this. No, I know, but I didn't know if you, like, you were keeping track of the date. Yep. Like, next week is Halloween episode. Yeah. So exciting. Spooky. It's so spooky. Spooky. So we're going to outline, what are we doing? Um, I don't think we've put the nail in the coffin. Oh. Yeah. No, we 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 are we're outlining like different uh, yes. I want to say beasts, but not beasts. Like we're going to we're going to go Halloween into Halloween figures. Halloween figures. Yeah. 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 Talking about where they came from, uh, why they are, um, I guess, significant. We're talking zombies. We're talking werewolves. We're talking, We're talking mummies. Vampires. Uh, gargoyles. Nope. 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 Uh, uh, witches, we've already done. Frankenstein. I, uh, I don't think Frankenstein was on that we list. We were going to include Frankenstein. Were we? Maybe. Okay, very good. Bolt in the neck. Let's we'll figure it out. Yep. Anyway, it's going to be very exciting. It's, it's going to be spooky. spooky. It's going to be, Jeff and I are going to eat so much candy. Candy corn. Candy corn. Oh, I don't like candy corn. Can we not do candy corn? Not a fan. No. I like corn and I like candy. Hmm. The yeah. two don't need to meet. They don't. What do you mean? Hmm. I've never seen anybody buy corn on the cob as much as you do. I Catherine buys corn on the cob. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm looking forward to, to next week's episode. I Me hope too. everybody is dressing up and I'm, being safe and physically distanced and um We don't have to get there yet. Is our wait, does our episode come out before Halloween? Uh how does the yes, calendar it will. work? How does the calendar work? Uh, the 20... This will come out Thursday. Which will be the 22nd. It's and the our episode comes on the 29th. Right. So we can we can give their safety warnings then. Yeah. You know, don't eat candy that looks like it was unwrapped. Don't eat apples. Don't eat apples. Anything that wasn't wrapped and looks like it could have been unwrapped, don't eat it. Yeah, and you know what? As much as we want you to sanitize and making sure that you are washing your hands every 20 minutes sufficiently, uh, don't put hand sanitizer on your kid's candy because that's nope. probably equally not as safe. I think it's a bad idea. Yep. More about that next week. More about that next week. As always, make sure you go and uh, follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, at The Splaincast. Uh, make sure you write a review. Let us know what you're feeling, what you like. Um, and please write a review on wherever you listen to our podcast. Rate us, do all that kind of fun stuff, please. If you want to send in a topic for us to do, like this one, it was Grace's birthday. We didn't know. No. But we we decided to do this now, and then and then in between part one and part two, we realized, oh my gosh, it's Grace's birthday. Yeah. Grace sent this in. Yeah, it's so, like Lion King one and a half. It's very much like that. Which is, is there, is there a title, like a subtitle to that? Timon and Pumbaa's Pride. 
No, it's just <laughs> called Timon and Boomfield's Great Adventure. Yeah. Um, if you want to send it in, just send it in. I don't know what else I need to say to you. At, nope. at uh, info.splainit at gmail.com. T-shirts are in. Yep. You may get them. If you've already ordered them, we will get them to you. And we will. Um, we've got one going to the West Coast. Yep. So we're not shipping it because we don't really know how that works. But they are gonna. They have made arrangements for us to get it to them. Yep. We've so, talked about pigeons. Uh, carrier pigeons. Carrier pigeons. Carrier pigeons, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. Very good. Um, so, yeah, Jeff, let's go to bed now. Separately. Separately. But go on. Yeah. We hope you learned something this week. And if you didn't. There's always next spooky week. In the mid 1980s, the crack uh, rang out clear. Get your needles and stick them up inside your rear. <laughs> We got it. I can't wait to go to bed. Uh, I am so tired. <laughs>